What's up, Magic fans? This is Mackenzie Thurkill of the Orlando Magic in Fox Sports, Florida, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from my favorite guys across the pond at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Geraint, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! Hey Magic fans, welcome to this episode of uh, Penny for Your Thoughts podcast, uh, the podcast of the Orlando Magic UK. Um, bit of a special one, two-parter this week. Uh, uh, st- let's start off with though, as always, I'm joined by, first of all, Mr. Predictions himself, Garan Jones. How you doing mate? And congratulations Hello. on uh, taking the the crown of Orlando Magic UK prediction champion. Thank you very much uh, and well, thank uh, you. I'm probably glad the season's over, to be honest with you, because uh, those losses started <laughs> racking up, didn't they? <laughs> Mate, you're only you're only wanting to hold on to top position, weren't you? And uh, That's it. then across to Mikey Umpalumpa Clark. Have you got a cushion for you sitting on, mate? I've got two I'm sat on, actually. <laughs> I want to make sure that you're above the desk so we can all see you. Yeah, the two buns. That's right. There's plenty of cushion there, mate. <laughs> How you doing, pal? All good, mate. All good. The season's good over, good so man. we can uh, focus on the draft now. Absolutely, and I will. Co- I will congratulate you on finishing second. Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, I I, I, I tanked properly. I, I get. I, I'm in the great position for next season now. <laughs> you did, and in fairness, you're the only one who actually gets a prize. Oh. So you get. So you get a wooden spoon. <laughs> so that'd be winging his no way need. to uh, Mansfield, mate. <laughs> You're going to get it engraved, G. I think we should, you know. Hey. <laughs> love it. Love it. And you can Elvin. hang it behind you, Paul, for next season. Mate, it, it will be on the wall. It will be on the wall. <laughs> the wall of honour. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on. Well, we're going to be sh- joined very shortly by someone who has eight seasons as game analysis for the Orlando Magic um, on Bally Sports and what previously Fox Sports. The man who joined the Orlando Magic in 1990 as an assistant coach before becoming our head coach. Uh, head coach from 93 to 97 and again 2005 to 2007 the one and only Brian Hill I, mean, I, I didn't realise that he actually holds the record for uh, wins for the Magic uh, a 58% win rate with the team that's fantastic uh, only head coach is that's the best head coach we've had in franchise history um, took us to the playoffs four times captured two division titles and as we say, took us to the 95 finals. Uh, also, the honour of Eastern Conference team at the All-Star head coach in 95. I'm so looking forward to that, guys, yourselves. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to be able to chat quality. to Coach Hill. Yeah, it's it'd be quality. We've all so, met him before. He's, he's an absolute gent in me. So uh, we've got some uh, cool, cool conversations and questions to throw his way. But before we go into, we're going to get this magic news over and done with fairly quickly. Hey, what's wrong with five losses? (laughs) I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Mate, you wouldn't be happy. If it was was a four and one or uh, one and four, none of us would be happy because it would have hurt their lottery odds. Uh, Hey, so we'll we'll find the positive in the five five losses of the week. So um, we finished, we closed the season out on a run of seven losses. 
lost to the Timberwolves 1-8 to to 96 in our final home game of the season. Very moving images of Carl Anthony Towns hugging his uh, father on Mother's Day. Uh, RJ led the team for the Magic with a career-high 19 points. We then moved on uh, to play the Bucks, which we lost by 102 to 114. A really good battling effort from the Magic in that one, I felt. Um, forcing the Bucks to have to play the Stars to the very last. Uh, that game was led by Cole Anthony with 18. Uh, then we played the then we played the Hawks, uh, lost 93 to 116. Uh, we'd got no answer to the Atlanta starters. Uh, Magic were led by RJ Hampton with another double-figure scoring game of 18 points. Uh, On to the final two games, we moved to Philly, lost 97 to 122. RJ again uh, with double-figure scoring, just missed a triple-double with 12 points, 11 rebounds and 9 assists. And here we go, we were led by Iggy Brzdaikis, and I've probably got that wrong. Butchered that. <laughs> yeah, as usual. <laughs> I was thinking actually, if we having if we are having a penny for your thoughts during the summer where we're having a quiz one, a category could be names that Paul can't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot. <laughs> we're not gonna be short of questions in there. <laughs> but yeah, Brisdaikis led us with uh, twenty-one points, career high, nine of twelve shooting from the field, three of five from beyond the arc. Final game of the season, we lost 117 to 128 against a uh, Philadelphia bench unit uh, at best. Cole Anthony scored a career high 37 points. And I think you could desperately see how he desperately wanted to get to 40 points towards the end there. Um, And the final bit of news, uh, RJ Hampton was named the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. So that, that sums up the week that was. What so, about um, Paul? What about Oklahoma yeah. City? Don't we have to give a, a special thanks to uh, a certain player on the OKC Mate. team for getting the W against the Clippers on uh, Sunday? Do you want to try <laughs> his name? You mean Mr. Pokashevsky? Hey! Oh, hey! Man. I knew it was coming. I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Poker. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, it's got to be that time. Let's move on to our first guest, the one and only, Ryan Hill. I'm not sure when we started uh, doing this pod just prior to the season start, we expected to be saying this, but I'm delighted to, wel- to say welcome to the man who took us to the 1995 NBA Finals, the coach, Brian Hill. Brian, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. It's been a while. Well, let me tell you, it's there's a huge amount of excitement uh, amongst our followers that you are on the podcast, um, and we did have various questions coming, but we're very conscious of the time, so we'll dive straight into it. Um, what we're doing on this one is a little bit of a season review, and I think you're the ideal guy for this question. Um the job that coach Clifford and the challenges he's faced this season, uh, 32 different starting lineups, 28 players on the roster at various points. Um, both are the most in the franchise history, unprecedented injury issues, a shortened preseason, little or no practice time. And the team hitting reset in the, the mid season. How impressed have you been and what difficulties have, have the coach faced? Well, first, let me let me start by saying Steve Clifford and his staff do a phenomenal job. 
Uh, yeah. Steve's an outstanding coach, and he's got a great uh, staff of assistant coaches and uh, Tyrone Corbin and Pat Delaney, Steve Hetzel, uh, really a, a, a great group, uh, a great staff that he put together. I, I wouldn't wish on any coach what uh, Cliff and his staff had to go through this year. Uh, it's incredibly hard. Forget the, the pandemic aside, you know, with uh, no summer league, no training camp, uh, very few opportunities to practice because you're playing every other day. Uh, and then on top of that, to lose Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, and a whole plethora of guys beyond that for, you know, long periods of time during the season uh, to coach a team that has so many different pieces coming in and out all year long uh, is incredibly hard when you can't actually get on the floor and, and spend a lot of time practicing to try and put the pieces together. So uh, it's unfortunate the year that the Magic had, but I thought uh, uh, Steve and his staff uh, handled it as well as it could possibly be handled. Yeah. I don't think anybody could have yeah. done a better job. No, I, I think the job that he's actually done is quite incredible um, to keep some form of identity for the team with the ever-changing lineups that we've had. That's been an incredible achievement. Uh, forget the record, the record aside, that's, that's, that's what it is. I think yeah, it's, it's incredible. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when you have these guys coming on uh, one 10 day contract after another, those guys are more concerned about what, what they do, you know, to try and uh, establish an NBA career than about the team's success. They're, they're more, uh, they're more concerned about their individual accomplishments to try and get into the NBA and stay in the NBA rather than about the success of the team. So it's very hard to coach a group of guys that are just, you know, coming and going like that uh, one 10 day contract after another. Yeah. Go for your, your uh, G. Yeah. Um, hi coach. Um, the 94, 95 magic team for me was the best team we've had. Um, you know, in the 32 years that the franchise has had a basketball team and um, memories of, you know, the finals run, Nick Anderson, Steele beating Chicago on the home floor, the game seven in, in um, against the Pacers. Uh, but what was your favorite moments coaching the team uh, during that 94, 95 run? I, I don't, uh, if I had to pick one moment, uh, I guess it would have to be, uh, Game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals against Indiana, but it's hard for me to pick one moment. The, the whole year was, uh, you know, a pretty pretty incredible season with a great group of guys. Uh, but I think actually the realization that we were actually going to the NBA Finals after uh, beating Indiana in that series was probably uh, the highlight. Obviously, you know, we didn't fare as well in the finals. Uh, so I, I'd probably have to put that as, as the highlight of the season. And coaching, you know, Shaq, Penny, Nick, Dennis Scott, uh, those players, that must've been an absolute dream for you. Uh, well, it was, uh, 
you know, and, and some, sometimes people think that coaching a lot of talent is easier than coaching not as much talent. It's not always the case. Sometimes it's about making sure the personalities all mesh and fit together and work together on the floor. Uh, and that was a very diverse group of guys on that team. And uh, But the nice thing about them was once they walked between the lines of the basketball court, it was all about winning. You know, if there were any other outside differences or anything else or certain guys were jealous of other guys, all that was put aside once they walked between the lines and, uh, and, they, and they played to win every night. Well, thank you. Surprise. But it was a great it was a great group. I mean, I, I obviously the talent of, of Shaquille and Penny Hardaway and Nick and Dennis to have the opportunity to coach guys uh, that talented was uh, you know a, a a great experience for me and obviously uh, helped me as a coach a great deal. And please don't worry about the time. Time's okay. <laughs> really oh that's that's superb thank, thank you. you so much thank you so brian in all your years of coaching we obviously know you had two stints with the magic in the 90s and and the mid 2000s what was your favorite year coaching whether it was with the magic or or, or with another team in the nba have you got any one that sticks out for you well, I'll say this, you know, obviously going to the finals in 95, you know, would have to be the highlight. I actually thought we were a better team the following season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we won 60 games and Chicago won 72 and Chicago beat us in the uh, in the conference finals. Uh, and I'll tell you why people don't remember that Shaquille O'Neal didn't play in 28 of those games that year, that he was out with a broken wrist. And he missed 28 games, you know, slightly more than a third of the season, and we still managed to win 60 games. And uh, I I thought that was the year that we really had a chance. Uh, Unfortunately, Michael Jordan – had different ideas from what happened the season before. <laughs> and he led the Bulls to 72 wins and ousted us from the playoffs. So, uh, but I actually thought we were the be- we were a better team in 95, 96 than we were the year before when we went to the finals. Yeah. Was you, uh, you were given the accolade of coaching the Eastern conference team in the, 1995 All-Star game. How different is that and how much fun as well? Well, it's a lot of fun. You're, you're honored just to be in the locker room and on the practice court and, you know, the night of the game with, with those guys, you know, all uh, incredible players. And you really go into it with the idea of, number one, you're trying to, to make everybody happy and give everybody a certain amount of playing time because they're all stars and everybody deserves to play. Game actually becomes kind of secondary until you get to like the fourth quarter of the game. And then if it's, you know, if, if it's a close game, then the competitive fires of everybody come out, you know, and guys start playing to win. Uh, 
I, I think it was a little more competitive back then than it is today. Today, I think it's more of a show, you know, just to, for guys, you know, for dunks and, you know, three-point shots and everything else. I actually think it was, you know, 25 years ago, it was a more competitive game uh, from start to finish, even though guys were out there and enjoying themselves uh uh, they were still competing for the better part of the game at the same time. Do you think some of that's because players are very different now? Like we see it before and after games, they're all a lot more pally with players off of other teams, especially some of the European players. Like we, when Vuc was with us, we always used to see him and Jokic hugging each other before and after the game. And you got a little bit more camaraderie with with these players from different teams. Do you think some of that plays into it? And the other question I've got, do you like the Elam ending that they've brought into the All-Star game to try and make it a little bit more of a comp- competition? To answer your first question, it's definitely the case. Yeah. Uh, players today, they grow up knowing each other, no matter where they're from, from playing AAU basketball and uh, USA teams and everything else. Back then, there were a lot of players that didn't like each other, uh, you know, because you had very intense rivalries, even within your conference, you know, uh, you know, us in Indiana and Chicago, you know, you put those things aside, New York, uh, you put all those things aside because it's the all-star game, but there was genuine dislike at that time between players and between our players and players on other teams. You don't really see that today because all these guys kind of come up together through the same AAU system. For the European players, I totally get it. You know, those guys are used to playing against those guys when they were on their national teams, you know, playing playing overseas. And, uh, you know, they've spent a lot of time playing playing against each other prior to coming into the NBA. So uh, I, I totally get that of, you know, guys either from their own country or from neighboring countries or uh, just having an association through uh, FIBA competition, uh, being friendly and associating with each other after games. Uh, but, but today's the relationship between guys in the league today is vastly different than what it was 25 years ago. Are there any um, players, uh, coach, on the current Magic roster that you think could make uh, a great head coach in the future? Well, that's a really interesting question. Uh, could could be coaches. They're all so young, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, he's a very young. They all, they all they all make too much money to want to be coaches. First. <laughs> <of all. laughs> Uh, and they Did you look really, at a point? They don't really need the headaches. Uh, you know, it's funny. Usually, usually you, you end up seeing the guys that were point guards as players that end up leaning more toward going into the coaching profession than than any other position in the league. So, um, you know, now we have Mar- Markel Fultz who is injured. Uh, we really don't have a lot of true point guards on our team right now. Uh, Markel is a, is a pure point guard. 
Cole Anthony is more of a scorer. He has a scorer's mentality. Michael Carter Williams is really kind of converted to the position from a, a wing player, but he plays the position well because he's a great defender uh, on the ball. Um, so I don't know. I would say the guy most suited would probably be Markel if that's what he ever decided to do. And obviously he comes from a great lineage having played for Morgan Wooten at the Matha high school in, in Washington, DC, uh, you know, one of the most uh, highly acclaimed high school coaches in America. You know, at the point where the, where the magic press reset, um, how far along the line of redevelopment do you feel that the team is? We, we don't seem to be starting from ground level to miss up to, uh, we've discussed this on many occasions, but we don't seem to be starting from a, a, a ground level point with some of the young guys that we've got. You know, uh, I would I would have felt better maybe uh, if if Nick Vucevic was still on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, get that. That the rebuild might come a little bit quicker. Uh, I think a lot is going to depend upon this year's draft. Uh, You know, there's a possibility we could have two picks in the top 10 of the draft. Uh, And I think an even bigger, there's an even bigger reliance on how quickly and how well Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac return from their, their injuries. Mm -hmm. I think Markel will be ready for the start of training camp. I'm not sure Jonathan will. Um, and, and then there's always that year of after a severe knee injury where guys kind of feel their way through the season while they're playing until in their minds they're absolutely comfortable with the idea that, okay, I'm healthy, my knee's good. You usually see a a year, a a full season after a serious knee injury of guys that I'll say aren't at their uh, full potential. You know, they're kind of they're kind of easing their way back in. And then it's usually year two where they say, "Okay, I'm not, you know, forget about the knee. I'm not worried about it anymore. And they go all out. So I don't know. I'd like to think. I'd like to think that within two years, we can be back in the playoffs again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think, I think for fans to think any, anything quicker than that wouldn't be realistic. Yeah. That's very interesting. Cause that's, we've all said previously on uh, various pods that we've done that the, if we, if we landed number one pick, in the, in the draft lottery. It's not an instant solution that's going no. to propel you to the position of being a challenger or even back to the playoffs. There's very, very few players that have had that impact on on teams in, uh, from draft. No, that's you're absolutely right. And if you look at, uh, you know, there's only so many Shaquille O'Neal's and LeBron James and, and guys like that that can, you know, possibly change the fortunes of a team. And if you look at the top, I guess what are considered to be the top 
uh, five or six players in the draft, uh, most of them are uh, guards, are, are perimeter players. And that, that can help a great deal, but I don't know that it's going to get you over the hump from being a, a 21-win team to a 45-win team. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if the second pick can be work out equ- equally as well, that would help. But I really think for them to get back in the playoffs next year, it would either have to be whoever is drafted in addition to somebody acquired via trade or free agency. And, and this is the year that the magic can be a player in free agency now because of the cap situation. The question is who's available, Mm. you know, that fits your team that can help take you to the next level. How important is it? Do you think to get some, some veteran players around this young this young group of, uh, of of core guys that we've got on this roster, and obviously whoever we draft this summer as well. I think it's critical. Yeah, yeah. I think it's critical. Uh, there's an old there's an old saying in the NBA, and especially in the coaching fraternities, young guys just get you beat. Mm-hmm. You don't win with you don't win with young guys. <laughs> they just get you beat. Uh, no, I, I think it, it's very important that there has to be the right mix of veteran players and, and, and youth. And it doesn't even really matter if the veteran player, they, they can be second unit guys, yeah. but they have that experience and that ability to mentor younger players mm-hmm. and explain to them what's right, what's wrong. You know, don't don't go off crazy when the coach, you know, uh, rips you a new one because he's right. You're wrong. Uh, Those guys are invaluable to have in your locker room and on your team to help to help mentor young players and to help hold young players accountable, because otherwise that always feel that always falls on the shoulders of the coach. And if the coach has to be the heavy every day, it wears thin. Mm. And that's usually the case when you have a lot of young players is that the coach has to be that guy that's holding them accountable all the time. So when you have one or two veteran guys in the locker room that can go to that guy and say, hey, don't get all upset, you know, when he gets after you because he's, he's trying to make you a better player. And he's right. You know, you just don't want to see it because, you know, you're a little headstrong and, you know, you're you're still young. You're not experienced yet. Uh, Those type of guys are invaluable to have in your locker room. So to your point, I think it's very important for this team to add some pieces like that. Yeah. I've got one more. Coach, um, you've got one more of you. It was just just a spin-off of that. Can you liken it to any players the magic son because obviously you coached a young Shaquille O'Neal and a young Dwight Howard was there any veterans in those two teams that that we signed that sort of made a big difference to those two players and and Penny as well well we had we uh, yes we had we had uh, Scott Skiles 
who was very good for Penny, you know, even though Penny ultimately replaced Scott in the starting lineup, you know, people forget we started off the year. Scott Skiles was our starting point guard and Penny Hardaway was our starting two guard. Nick Anderson was our small forward. Dennis Scott came off the bench, you know, and then about 20, 20, 22 games into the season, we shifted that and moved Penny to the point. I I didn't want to have Penny have the responsibility of being our point guard from day one uh, because Scott was more experienced and was an accomplished NBA player, but he could be Scott's backup. He could move from two guard to point guard for maybe eight to 10 minutes of the game and still get some experience at the point guard position. And we did that for about 20 games before we ultimately made him the starter. But we had Scott Skiles. We had Jeff Turner, who was yeah. excellent. Uh, and Tree on my, yeah. pardon me? Uh, Tree Rollins was another one. Uh, I was going to say, and on my staff, we had Tree Rollins. And that was really a huge part of the reason why I hired Tree uh, was because of his experience uh, even though he was never known as a great offensive player, he understood the center position, having been a you know an outstanding center for his whole career, and could really help Tree with all of the defensive nuances of the NBA as opposed to the college game. So yeah, v- veterans were uh, veterans were important, you know, to the growth of that team. Those guys in particular. Yeah. Coach, how involved does a head coach become in the draft process and speaking to the scouts, or is it ultimately, you know, the scouts and the general manager that makes the pick? You know, I I think it's different on every team. Um, You know, today, from from what I understand, uh, you know, talking to a lot of different uh, people around the league, the coaches – don't get nearly involved in the draft as they used to. Um, They kind of leave it up to, you know, the, the general manager and all of his scouts that he has scouting personnel. And they'll look at, you know, what the average coach probably does today is go to his GM and say, okay, we pick, uh, we're picking number three. Give me 10 names that you think you, you would possibly consider at number three. And give me all the film on all those guys that we have. And usually the coach and his staff will sit down and they'll evaluate maybe those 10 guys for that one pick and write up a report of what they think. Okay, and how he fits into the team. But the ultimate decision will always go with the people that have been doing the work all year long out evaluating talent while you've been coaching the team. Right. Are you a uh, best player available or positional need when it I'm comes to the draft? Which... Okay. Unless you know you can take that best player available and turn it into a need. 
by that, I mean by trade. You know, if I draft yep. this guy, I know I can trade him to team B for these two guys that we need. Okay. You know, that, that otherwise I go, my, my process is what we need as long as, let's say it's a shooting guard, as long as there's somebody out there that you think is good enough to come in and fill that role. If you don't think it's somebody good enough, then you go with best available player. Yeah, yeah. Garan, you're our longest standing Magic fan. So you fire another one at Brian and then uh, we'll let the, let the man go and enjoy his afternoon. Oh my gosh, you put me on the spot now. I only had I have, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. If you need me, I'm good. I'm not going anywhere for the next half hour. Um, you invited um, Daryl Armstrong onto the team back in 94, 95, right. um, you know, and he hung around and was end of the bench player. What did you see in Daryl that, you know, um, could transpire to be a, an excellent NBA player? Like, and he showed that, you know, by the end of the 97, 98 season, he could become, a, you know, a reliable player. I give, the, I give all the credit for that and a lot of other things to John Gabriel our general manager, you know, John scouted uh, Daryl in uh, various leagues, various semi-pro leagues and what was then the CBA and uh, invited him to, uh, uh, to come to Orlando. And he went through some practices and then played in our summer league prior to that season. And uh, I, I loved him, you know, just because he's, he has that pit bull mentality of as a defensive player that he, he just guarded the ball and guarded opposing point guards so well. He drove them crazy. He drove Scott Skiles crazy for the entire season because Scott would have, you know, he would have to guard Scott every day in practice. Scott would come to me and say, would you please put, you know, after he played, 40 minutes the night before against the New York Knicks or somebody. And then we practice the next day. And then Daryl would be picking him up at full court, you know, when we were scrimmaging. <laughs> and then Scott would just look at me and go like, really, you're going to put this guy on me after I played 40 minutes last night. Because <laughs> uh, he was just relentless as a defensive player. Uh, and that's what I loved about him. You knew, you knew that ultimately you know, offensively, uh, a little bit more would come. You know, he was a pretty good shooter at that time, could penetrate, but it was his defensive ability that got him into the NBA in which, in which he really excelled at. Clearly from that, Brian, the, you, you've got a lot of affection and enjoyed coaching uh, Scott and um, Daryl there. Is there anybody else that really stood out for you as fun to coach? You know, they were all really, obviously, there's there's no one having more fun with than Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, if you can't have fun with Shaquille O'Neal, there's there's something wrong with you, you know, because he's a clown at heart. And, uh, you know, as, as you all know, as an incredible personality, we see him on TV now, you know, pushing, you know, one, one thing after another, you know, doing yeah. commercials or nine or 10 different, you know, products out there on TV. And he's just an incredible personality. 
So uh, obviously had a blast coaching Shaquille. Uh, all those guys on that team were a lot of fun. The second time around, you know, having the opportunity to coach Grant Hill, uh, you know, Grant, to me, obviously at that time, you know, Grant had gone through severe ankle injury and, uh, you know, was, was just kind of coming back off of that. I'll tell you what I think when I was coaching the Magic the first time and competing against Grant Hill when he was with the Detroit Pistons. I thought he was the closest thing to Michael Jordan since Michael wow. Jordan had he not got hurt. Uh, I, wow. I, think, I think we would be talking about Grant Hill the way we have since talked about uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, guys like that. I God rest his soul. You know, I think yeah. I think Grant would have gone down as one of the best perimeter players in NBA history. Okay. Um, but all those guys were were fun to coach. So obviously you spent years and years coaching. How how much fun is it doing the uh like the 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 TV work now that you do for for Bally Sports and and working with Dante and, and the team there? It, it's fun, you know. Uh Two reasons. Number one, I've had a relationship with David Steele and Jeff Turner and Dante for a long time. Uh, you know, Jeff played for me. David has been with the Magic since day one. And, yeah. uh, you know, the 10 years I was with the Magic, you know, we became good friends. Uh, Dante, I've known more since my second stint, you know, with the Magic. Uh, so, be. Because we get along so well, number one, and enjoy each other's company, uh, that makes the job tremendously easy. And and my job obviously isn't brain surgery. It's not as it's not as uh, uh, difficult or as taxing as what what uh, David and Jeff do uh, doing the entire game. And the second reason I love it is because it just keeps me involved in the game. Uh, I think it would have been very hard for me to go cold turkey from, uh, you know, coaching for 45 years and then all of a sudden, you know, leaving coaching and having nothing to do with the game anymore. Mm. Uh, that, that would have been extremely hard for me. Uh, so the TV uh, is one part of it that keeps me involved. And then, you know, the magic hired me as an advisor three years ago, uh, uh, to the front office. Uh, so that, you know, that part keeps me involved. Uh, if anybody wants my opinion, I'll give it, but I don't give it unless I'm asked. Uh, that, that was my, that was the only way I would take the job. Uh, you know, I'll give you my opinion if you ask for it, but otherwise I'm not going to be one of those guys. that's going to walk in and say, you know, I really think you need to do this, this, or this, you know, that's not my style. Uh, Somebody wants my opinion of what, you know, what's going on with the team right now. Uh, and they ask, I'll give it to them. Otherwise, I keep it zipped. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your, what's, what's your role involved with being doing the advising work? Can you give us a little bit of insight to what you do? Well, it's mostly <laughs> just helping out uh, uh, Alex Martins, our, uh, our president, you know, uh, Alex and I have been together a long time uh, and Alex is phenomenal on the business side. 
Um, and that's not to say, you know, anything negative uh, about him regarding the basketball side. But obviously, I think I think just because of my experience and because of our relationship, he felt it would be good to have, you know, uh, a coach as an advisor and handling the basketball operations side of things. So, uh, as I said, if he asks, I, I give him my insight into into what I think, whether it's personnel related or, you know, how the team is playing or anything else. And, uh, and, and we have a, an excellent working relationship that way. Uh, last one for me, coach. Um, JT came on the pod uh, a few, well, a long time ago now. And he told us of the story of uh, you being stranded uh, and ending up in the same hotel as Marilyn Manson. Uh, <laughs> how was that for you as a coach? <laughs> how was that for me? Yeah. I'll tell you in a nutshell. I walked down into the, we were in a snowstorm. Nobody could get out of the hotel. We were in Allentown, Pennsylvania, snowed in, and there was Marilyn Manson staying in the hotel, and there was the whole cast of Sesame Street on Ice <laughs> skaters staying in the hotel, and there was a wedding party staying in the hotel. And I walked down into the bar with one of my assistant coaches, and I saw half my team in there commiserating with a lot of other people in there. And I just said, this isn't a good place for me to be. And I turned around. I think I might have had one beer. And I turned and went back up to my room and just said, I don't need to see what's going on down there. So, I'll leave it at that. Very wise. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably a very wise decision, Coach. I just want to fire three very quick ones to you, if you don't mind. Um, regards, with regards to the Magic season, has there been a particular player that stood out for you? That's a really good question. Um it's one we're thinking about as well. We haven't. We've we're coming to this later on in when we when we talk, and we've had a real hard job deciding as to who we feel as well. So many guys have gone gone out with injuries, and uh, so many guys have had to step up and and play starting roles that would normally be you know backups would be second unit guys. You know, I mean, prior to the trade, my, my favorite player on the team was Nick Vucevic. I thought he, his skill level, you know, everything about him, uh, uh, as evidenced by the fact he made, you know, two all-star teams. I think as far as uh, the young guys on the team, I, th I think there's guys that have – I think there's guys that have an opportunity to be – be pretty good players. Uh, I think uh, I think Cole Anthony has a chance to be a a good player. Uh, you know he he still has things to learn, but uh, I like his competitiveness. He's got that scorer's mentality, which for a point guard, you know, you just have to make sure you're getting everybody else involved. Uh, 
in addition to yourself. Uh, but I like his, his talent. I like, uh, I like Chuma Okiki. Yeah. Who I think can be a pretty good two way player, you know, offensively and defensively. I'm not sure whether he'll be a starter or whether he'll, he'll be a backup. It probably depends upon how fast Jonathan Isaac comes back. Um, It's a difficult one, isn't it? it we... Yeah, yeah. Are, are there guys that you like? You, you tell me who you like, and I'll, I'll I, tell you what I think. I, I think that I've kind of split it into two for myself in the same way as you just have done prior to the trade and since. Mm. Uh, I think, hands down, Vooch was incredible for the team prior to the trade. Um I also think he's an absolute gentleman, um, a true lovely guy um, who has always represented the team in a brilliant, fantastic manner. You can't fault the man for his integrity. Um, so I, I was, I, I'm, I'm probably angling towards uh, Booch overall, um, and also because of the numbers he was putting up, the night in, night out effort that he was making. Um, since the trade, um, I've been very excited to see the growth of RJ. He's he's making mistakes, but he's play he's been able to play, uh, being allowed to make those mistakes because there's not been that pressure to be. We're not we weren't pushing for a position of the playoffs, so I've been right. very very excited to see the development of RJ. But I think I would ultimately go between between them between him and Cole Anthony for Cole Anthony because of what he's done over the season. But I want to see Cole I, make other players better. Uh, I I also like RJ. I think RJ. I think first of all, his body is going to fill out his body. He hasn't reached full maturation yet. No, his body is going to fill out more. I love his athleticism. Um, I like what he can do at the offensive end of the floor. If there's an area he really has to concentrate on, it's at the defensive end of the floor and his ability, especially to guard one-on-one guard, guard his man with the ball on the perimeter and, and keep him from penetrating, um, which is kind of a lost start, quite honestly, in today's NBA. Um, but I do like what he can do with the offensive end. And if he's, he's great in transition. He's excellent attacking the basket. If, if he can be a consistent 35 to 37% three point shooter, then he's going to be a very good player. Yeah. Huge off season for him. Yes. Yeah. It's a huge off season for all those guys. Yeah, I agree. Because those young guys have not gone through it. You know, they haven't gone, they haven't played in summer league. They haven't gone through a a regular traditional training camp. They just got thrust kind of right into the regular season because of all this COVID stuff. So this off season is going to make the season a lot longer for them, especially for a guy like RJ, who basically just sat on the bench in Denver for the first two thirds of the season. Now, now you go into 
they'll be asked to stay in Orlando the better part of the summer and work out with, with the coaches. They'll go through summer league. They'll go through training camp. Then they'll go into the season. So this coming season is going to be actually a lot longer than anything RJ or Cole has ever really experienced. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they, if they're able to sustain the same level of, of playing ability, the same consistency throughout the whole season, or whether they're going to kind of go through peaks and valleys, you know, depending upon whether they wear down or, or you know, get tired because of the length of the season. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting in, in a lot of different ways for these young guys. Quite agree. And the final question, Brian, who are you taking as uh, NBA final champions? Who do you think? Man, I'll tell you, it's going to be interesting, this whole play-in thing. I mean, think about it. The Lakers could get knocked out tomorrow. Yeah. We're all hoping that. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, you know, if Steph Curry goes for 45 or 50, you know, they could be done. It could be a, yeah. you know, well, actually they would get one more game, but yeah, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting with this whole play-in thing. I don't know. You know, I guess uh, everybody thinks, you know, Brooklyn with, you know, the three, the three all-stars is, uh, is going to put it together and, and get there. I think they're going to get a, a tough, a tough series with Philly. I don't know that Milwaukee can get back. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I love Giannis. I love everything he stands for. Uh, in addition to being a hell of a player, but I don't know if they can get past either one of those two teams. Um, in the West, I, I'm kind of rooting for Phoenix. I think yeah, it's, yeah, a great, yeah. it's a great story. Uh, and I happen to like Monty Williams and think he does a phenomenal job of coaching. Uh, love Devin Booker. Uh, you have to like Chris Paul, you know, as one of the all-time best point guards, um, you know, and, and quite honestly, I, I think LeBron is phenomenal, but I don't know if having missed all this time and at the stage of his career that he's at, you know, whether they can put it together and, and get back to another finals. Uh, obviously Utah has to be in the mix. Um, but I, I think when push comes to shove, I think Utah is going to get beat before getting to the finals. I think it could very well be a, a Phoenix, LA Lakers with the Clippers on the, on the fringe of that also. Yep. Tough to tell. It's, it's, it's weird, wide open, isn't it? Such a weird season. Yeah. You know, such a weird season. It's, Hard to figure out anything. Well, I, I, we, we've again, that's something that we're going to be discussing later. But we are, I, I know full well that we are all sort of, um, well, it could be these and it could be these. It's so wide open. So it's interesting to get your take on it, Brian. But again, 
just have to say thank you so much for joining us. We genuinely appreciate it. It's been amazing to have you talk to us. Um, it's been so interesting, really good fun. So thank you so much. Well, it's great thank to you, chat with you guys, and it's great to know that there's uh, such avid Magic fans uh, across the pond. And uh, hopefully, if you get back over here, we'll get it. We'll get a chance to say hello again. Absolutely, yeah. I think we're all in the process of planning the next trip already. <laughs> oh, sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. <laughs> Make sure you say hello if you do. Always, always. But thank you so you much, Brian. We have genuinely appreciated it. Um, you know, you're you're a magic legend. So thank you so much. Well, maybe in my own mind, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> the win the win percentage says otherwise, my friend. <laughs> it's great chatting with you yeah. guys. Thank you so Cheers, much, Brian. All the best. Cheers, All Brian. the best. Support of the magic. As you'll notice, we've been joined by a uh, game host and sideline reporter for the Orlando Magic and Bally Sports, Dante Marcatelli. Dante, welcome back, and how are you, my friend? Man, it's great to see you guys. Look at these smiling faces, right? We're, we must be thinking about the lottery coming up. <laughs> <laughs> we must have all, it's all, of our it's all about the odds. How do we follow up Brian Hill? That is a tall task, man. There's nobody better than that guy. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it and see you guys again here. This is fun. Well, before we go any further, I've got to throw this over to G because we had a certain friend of yours on here a couple of weeks back who said that we'd got to ask a question about a certain glory hog. So, G, over to you. Yeah, so... Um, I'm nervous, had, uh, I'm nervous. We had Mr. George Galante on, on the podcast and um, obviously we mentioned the Dante Galante show and um, during uh, many of his stories, he actually um, told us, you know, how, how you actually say his name properly and it's not... Galante, Galante. Um, yes. So we, we said to him, so why is it called the Dante and Galante show? Shouldn't it be called the, the Galante and Dante show? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, so no, he, no, he it shouldn't. He, all right. So he said, <laughs> next time you get Dante on, you need to ask him why. You are exactly right. We make him say we make him say his name completely wrong, just so it'll rhyme. Just so it'll rhyme. We, and it's alphabetical. Dante's first and then Galante. So you do Dante and Galante. It, uh, it just works. But no, he's been asking me. He's been asking me for years if we can change it to Dante and Galante. He's been asking me. So who knows? Maybe when we do the reboot, maybe we can maybe we can Brilliant. revisit that. He's great though, isn't he? Did you have fun with George? It looked like you guys were having oh, a great time. Absolutely. Huge, yeah. huge fun. Yeah. yeah, he was really good company. We had an absolute blast. He's we good. came off it. He's good. George hasn't worked. George hasn't worked in probably six years. It was probably the last time he's worked. <laughs> but he still gets paid, but he still gets paid by the organization. So it's pretty impressive. He had his rolling with the story about uh, Cole Anthony grabbing Cole back after the uh, Minnesota winner. That was yeah, that was quality. Really good time with him. So, yeah, but before we go any further as well, we also uh, want to say thank you to yourself, uh, Dante and the, and the team, because we had the uh, a moment with the, the, where you gave us the shout out during the Milwaukee game. Mm -hmm. And also there was the pod shout out um, for the Penny for Your Thoughts pod during the New York game. And that's that's amazing of you guys. So thank you very much. Anytime. Now, listen, this this is so cool for us to be doing these games and to know that there's, I mean, you really do, you see it and you know that there's people watching and there's just diehard Magic fans everywhere. And we see them on the road and we see it. But to know that there are, you know, outside the country, 
And, you know, as far away as you guys are and, and some even further, you know, really, it's amazing yeah. to think that, that that you guys can follow it and stay up with it and know as much as anybody about it. That's the remarkable thing. I, I really credit you guys. And it's a feather in your cap. And you guys have you guys want us over right away. It's uh, where we were. We always love interacting with you. And we're very grateful for your support all year. So thank you guys. Well, it's, it is genuinely appreciated. Mikey, um, yeah, I was just going to say that Twitter group. Yeah. Yeah, can we do the next say, one with a pint? Can I have a pint for the next one? Absolutely. Can we share a pint oh, when yeah. we do this? Jeez, okay. blatantly. Have you got yes. Carl in tonight, yes. G? Yeah, I have got yeah, Carl. He's replaced, already on it. replaced my Bud Light in the order. <laughs> so uh, I'm not happy about that. No, no. We'll get that fixed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, talking about the guys in the Twitter group, just quickly. Um, the three of us can honestly vouch for some of the guys that live in the UK over here. They still stay up late night every mm. single night despite how difficult these last few months of the season have been. Um, yeah. And and what you were saying about, you think that we know what we're talking about. We just pretend we do. We're, we're <laughs> well, just pulling off as we go along. <laughs> pull it off. I know to think that people are staying up that late over there. Cause games yeah. are starting what one or two in the morning. Yeah. And then there's, I'm not gonna lie to you. There's about four or five games where I slept during the fourth quarter. And then just came on and did the post game show. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You thought about it. You certainly, you certainly thought about it. Yeah, you certainly thought about it. Ooh, it was tough, wasn't it, guys? Yeah. This was a challenging yeah. year. Very challenging yeah, really. year. Well, this this is where I'm just going to jump on to quickly about the lottery position. Um, you know, we finished with a record of 21 and 51, uh, 14th in the East, third worst record in the NBA. Um, silver lining. 14% chance of the number one pick right. and a 52% chance of top four. Um, we're guaranteed top seven with the record that we have. Um, we've also got the Chicago pick, which is mm -hmm. tied, I believe, with the Pelicans and Kings. And dependent upon where they come out in the lottery, they're going to be separated by the flip of a coin. Mm -hmm. So how are you feeling about it, Dante? Well, here's the thing. I, I I think you have to you have to say, you know, regardless of how anyone feels about the trades or the new direction or, or where we've gone, you know, the decision was made and this was this is the 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 path that we're uh, charting forward. And you'd have to say it was a success, would you not? I mean, if you look at if this is what you want to do and you're making the yeah. trade and you're going younger and you want to position yourself. Uh, to have salary cap flexibility, to be able to sign free agents, to be able to acquire assets, to make trades. And then the last part of that is draft capital, right? You want to have your draft capital. And what you did is you went out, the young guys developed the last six or seven months of the season. Yep. Look at all the strides that, that we saw some of these young guys make. And oh, in doing so, unfortunately, you go six and 22 since the trade. That puts you in position to have the best percentage to get the number one pick. And it's interesting, you know, David Steele and Jeff Turner unearthed this on the last broadcast, three times in franchise history, yeah. we've had 21 wins. The first two, we got the number one pick both times, which ended up to be Shaq and Dwight. So who knows what happens this go around, but um, you have to say you, you, you develop these young guys and you got yourself the best shot at the number one pick and the Chicago pick. You just don't want that in the top four. That's got to come somewhere around yeah. 10, 11 or 12 flip yeah. the coin. And we want to see their name wherever they're supposed to be. Otherwise, that means they got in the top four because uh, hopefully that we want that pick to convey. And then you're looking at two top 10 picks going into this going into this roster next year. Yeah, yeah. Mikey, I know you tweeted out about uh, that you're preparing yourself for seventh. 
No, not quite that bad. <laughs> they could, you know what? You might as well prepare, and then you can be. We can all be excited yeah. together when we get number one. I was just troll. I was just trolling one or two people, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think you. I no, think you, you honestly, no, not at all. I, I think you just got to prepare yourself for the for the worst case scenario. I mean, it's just it's coming down to a coin flip whether we're going to get a top four pick or not, really, isn't it? Fifty two percent chance. So, well, it, it could, and you're playing the percentages. I mean, you got a good chance to be in the top four. I mean, worst case scenario is you only get seven. Worst case scenario is you fall to seven, and then the yeah. Chicago gets in the top four, and you don't get that pick. So that way, you know, so there is that scenario where you could, but I, after everything that happened this year, guys, aren't we do some luck now? Can't we get, if, if we had to go through all of that and our luck is going to come in on June 22nd, then to me, that makes it worth it. We can, we can live with that. Yeah. And one thing Garant always says to us is if it wasn't for Orlando, we wouldn't have had the bubble. So the NBA owes yeah. Orlando a favour. So hopefully- <laughs> <laughs> drop us a couple of extra balls. Yeah, in there. exactly. That's right. You. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, yeah, it would be great. But we'll all be watching that night. That'll be a big night. And then you got the draft on July 29th. So uh, no, you're right. We got uh, a big, a big, big month ahead of us. Will you guys be doing any sort of broadcast around the? We will the on draft here? night. Yep, we will. Yep. We're still, we're still working out the details. Uh, but it's going to stream. We're going to stream it online. And then we're also going to air it locally here at our uh, affiliate here in town, 96.9. Uh, but we're still start trying to see what that looks like. And, you know, especially the interest, you know, if you if you, if you end up with two picks in the top 10, there's going to be yeah. a ton of interest yeah. trying to see who those two guys would be. So, yeah, we want to try to we want to give Magic fans a place to go because that could be a very big night. That could be a franchise changing yeah. night. Uh, yeah. for the Orlando Magic. So we want to have a place for a couple hours where fans can check in and out and and just kind of get caught up and, and have a say and interact with us and all that. We we're looking forward to a fun night. Well, both yeah, nights, we're going we're gonna to set up a virtual Zoom call, aren't we, for all the UK fans. So we're going to sit there and watch it live with a few oh, points like together. So um, so if yeah. you want to jump on as a guest, Dan. Sign Tame, me up for in. that. I'm yeah. in. Yes. Yeah, yes. Oh, you'd be, that would be very popular. Mate. What, I'm, try, what I'm trying to figure out is why don't we do something? Can we do something like that for the lottery? Let's do oh, that on the lottery too. We, Let's we, do that on the uh, 22nd. Yeah. yeah we'll yeah, get we'll everyone do. together. Yes, I'm in. I am in. Okay. I am in. Wicked. That is brilliant. Thank you for that, Dan. Right. That's amazing. That'll be but, fun. Let, hey, Let's move on to the season. Let's have a little talk about the season. So let's start off with probably a positive. So what was a highlight, your highlight moment of the season? Dante, what's, what was yours be? Uh, probably that last game when we finished that last. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. It was, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a hard. It was a hard season, guys. It was a hard season. I the highlight of the season for me. It, it's really it's two. It's hard to not think that that Cole Anthony game winner against Memphis was not the the, the highest point of the season. I, thought, I just thought that was fantastic. I thought his excitement, his energy, the way he hit the shot, the 20 point comeback, the fans in the building, everything that came with it. That that was my favorite moment of the season. Uh, for me, but I, I think there was a feeling after we started four and zero for the first time in franchise mm-hmm. history uh, that that you know up until that Cole Anthony game winner that was it for me that was because you're thinking okay you're four and zero then you end up going six and two and you're thinking yeah. this team has a chance to you know you heard Steve Clifford say it all the time that this team has a chance to maybe be the surprise team in the East and you started believing that and these guys were playing like that just that devastating injury to Markel you know charted us on a new course. Uh, but yeah, I, I I love that game winner by Cole Anthony, and I love his personality, and I hope he never changes. And I think it's fantastic uh, how excited he got over there. Right, that, that to me was my favorite. Mikey, your favorite? 
Dante's taking all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, you can have the same favourite moment. No, no, no. Absolutely. That. Yes. The, the other one that sticks out for me is Tumor's dunk against the Lakers. That was quite a, quite a, quite a highlight this yeah, season. Yeah, nice one. Um, well, that was, one. There was yeah. a few. Uh, Cole had a putback dunk earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, a few nice mm-hmm. highlights like that. But yeah, the, the game winners, the interviews were just first class, weren't they? We're just the Cole, mm. the Cole interview after the uh, the winning. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell Dante. I'll tell Dante. <laughs> that the story. was just so amazing. We'll, amazing. T- we'll tell Dante like the story. So yeah. that second interview against the the Grizzlies, um, I watched the game live. And uh, I had a message in our WhatsApp group between the three of us and Paul that said, I've watched it. So I rang him straight away, FaceTime. And I was like, have you watched the interview yet? He's like, no, I've only just finished watching the game. I was like, well, <laughs> stick it on, put it up loud so I can hear it again. And I watched your reaction live, didn't I? It was quality. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It. That's fantastic. I had to watch that several times because of, I was rolling with laughter. Yeah. At that interview. I was picking, right? You were picking up, every time you watch it, you picked up something different. Like yeah. it's all of a sudden he's... I, I missed it the first time he said it when I got switched on to Kyle Anderson. He's like, okay, I got this now. And I'm thinking, well, kind of took a shot at him. It was just funny. The whole thing was, it was <laughs> yeah. just very entertaining. It was just very entertaining. But that's him. He's just very honest. And, you know, Kyle didn't take offense to it. It just was very, very honest. Uh, that's why we do those interviews, guys. That's why when we set those things up, you know, that that's what you're trying to capture. You're trying to capture the raw emotion. You're trying to get the excitement. Remember last year when we get the win in L.A. and Markel Fultz had the triple-double and they're dousing him with water. I mean, those, those live-time reactions are what you're shooting for. And a lot of guys, you know, try to play it cool and act like you've been there before. And, you know, they, they, they give you – they say what they're supposed to say. But every once in a while, you get somebody like Cole that breaks the mold and and that's, yeah. it's very entertaining. Vooch was like that. I used to have a lot of fun with Vooch uh, on those post-game interviews. He, he was fun. Different, different personality. You know, he wouldn't be yelling and excited like that, but he was more dry. But – uh, when you find those guys that you connect with and you can have some fun with, it makes it a lot. Of, it makes it very entertaining. What's your favorite one top- of all time, Dante? Is it the one in Boston Man. when we when we went to the uh, the playoffs yeah. in twenty nineteen with Vooch yeah. and Evan? It might be. It might be. You know, I think about Glenn Davis on the Thanksgiving Day when yeah. he ripped the turkey. That was hilarious. He yeah, started hilarious. eating it. That was. We were all just stood there horrified. I couldn't believe that. He had one where he was all sweaty, and Glenn Davis just grabbed me, and we did the whole interview in a bear hug. <laughs> I thought, okay, that, that that stands out. But thinking about, uh, you know, and then we did we did, you know, the interview after uh, Game Two of the NBA Finals. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Game Three of the right. NBA Finals when it's two to one. And you're talking to guys, you know, in, in the locker room after that game was just just surreal. But yeah, those I think that Cole nothing got the traction that that Cole Anthony interview did though, just because he is a funny, funny individual. Funny. And Tom Brady liked the uh, tweet about it, mate. Yes, he did. Yeah, I know. That's what made me lose my mind. <laughs> that's so the, that's the just because so I owe Cole fine. Anthony because by accident Tom Brady saw me. So I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Gee, your favorite moment, mate. Well, you've touched upon most of them. Um, I'm just trying to see if I can add to it. Um, the Aaron Gordon screen on Kyle Lowry. Yes. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, you liked that, didn't you? You liked that. Yeah, oh, you've oh, got yeah. to, haven't you? Yeah, yeah You've got to. You, you know, stopped, you that guy that just gets interested. Sorry, Oh, G. did I? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you mentioned it. You know, the interviews, the two you had with Cole Anthony, they stand out. They were great. The six and two start. Uh, but for me, the... Um, I, my favourite game winner was the one against the Timberwolves just because it was from down the other end there was no expectation it was almost like you know a wing and a prayer and um, just see if it goes and this, the shock and 
you know, it was what, eight o'clock in the morning I watched that and you just get a buzz from it the whole day. And the six man show made a, like a little video with the uh, Celine Dion's your heart will go on. <laughs> and I don't, I think I've watched that hundreds of times already. And then you've got him going to the locker room. So, you know, it's just special moments like that. I uh, just want to get a few more of them in the, in the coming seasons now yeah. uh, with yeah. the guys that we've got. But um, it was interesting. You know. We talked, we talked to Garrett. We talked to, um, I did an event with Cole um, a couple of weeks after that. And it's interesting to hear him say, if you watch it again, uh, you know, depending on what vantage point you get, but Jared, uh, Jared Vanderbilt was the guy that went to the free throw line. And he said, I knew, I knew he was going to miss both free throws. He goes, if you look at it, you could see in his eyes, he didn't want anything to do with being at the free throw line. He said, so I thought in my head, I know he's missing these two. Just let the ball come to me somehow, some way. So he was ready. And he, you know, he can say whatever you want after the fact, right? Who knows what's really yeah. real, but I believe him. And he said, let the ball come to me and I'm going to make this shot. That, that was his, that when you watch it, you kind of see him trying to get in the right position and make sure everybody knew where he was. He wants, that's the beauty of Cole. He does not, he is not afraid of that big shot because he feels he can make it every time. It's great. He's two for two. Yeah. yeah. He's got that star mentality, hasn't he? He yeah. wants the ball. Uh, wants to put the ball in the basket and um, just get the W. Yeah, mm -hmm. he does. He does. No, I, I like that. Yeah. I think that's a special quality to have in your, your young point guard. And I'm guessing that's going to come as one of the uh, part of the next question because I wanted to know what you've taken as a positive from the season. So, uh, Mikey, go with it. You go first. Uh, top of my list is Cole Anthony. Um, he's been one of the brightest players we've had this season. Um, he's he made a significant jump when he came back from his injury. Um, especially offensively, finishing at the basket. I know I talked about this quite a few episodes ago, um, looking at some of his numbers, finishing right around the rim. Um, he almost doubled his percentage, I think, um, with that. Uh, shooting the three, 34% for the season. So um, he, he, that was something we've we've lacked the last couple of years as that outside shot from, from some of the wings. Um, yeah, he, he's just been a bit of a breath of fresh air, for, I think, for the team this season. Um, so Cole Tuma as well. Tuma's had as progressively, um, oh, sorry, started again. I'll start that bit again. He's progressively improved as the season's gone on offensively. Um, defensively, he's probably been what our best wing defender this year. Um, so he's got good lateral footwork, um, good speed, good size for a defender. So, um, yeah, a couple of couple of positives to take into next season with Fultz and, and Isaac to come back into the mix. Yeah. Gene, what would you take from it? Well, I like, I mean, not everyone liked the trades, but, you know, it's given us a lot of flexibility. Um, you can see a clear path now. You can, you know, you've got some money to spend in a couple of years time, you know, free agency. Uh, mm. You've got two potentially top 10 picks now uh, to join the mix. You've got Fultz and Isaac coming back, who are you know very good starting uh, players. So you throw that into the mix uh, with the development of these uh, youthful players, um, and I don't think we're that far off. You know, uh, being almost like a playing team. Um, I think we were 13 games out of eight. Now that seems a lot, but if you put Jonathan Isaac on the floor, Markel Fultz on the floor. If we get Cunningham, if we get, you know, a, a real good prospect, I don't think we're that far away from, you know, being able to uh, have a game in the postseason in the near future. So with the flexibility and um, you never know, you never know who wants to come and play for the Magic uh, and who we bring in with free agents. 
So, um, you know, a lot of optimism to go going forward, um, especially with the youth. So I just like the fact we've got the flexibility now. Yeah. It's a long while since we've had that. It's a long while since we've had that. Mm-hmm. Dante, mm-hmm. what about for yourself, my friend? Yeah, I think that's, I, I think you guys are all looking at it exactly the right way because you were, you were so hamstrung. You had to make a decision on Evan at the end of this season, right? And then, uh, you know, you, we, we knew Aaron didn't want to be here because he, you know, he voiced his, you know, his, his wish to be moved, you know, to, to, to move on. And then, you know, Nick Vucevic and, and a lot of young guys. Now you set yourself up pretty nice. If you still have Nick Vucevic on this roster, um, you know, it's kind of as a, as Brian Hill alluded to uh, kind of help these young guys uh, along, then, then that's a different story, but, but you've got complete, you've got flexibility. Now we there's free agents that are going to be out there that we could never have conversations with. Uh, but now we can, now we can come to the table. We can come to the table with almost anybody and it's just a matter of convincing somebody to come. So I think you couple that with the, whatever two 19 year olds you're going to add into the mix, you're going to be young. Your average age is 24 years old right now. Uh, there's that seems to be that core of five, you know, that played at the end of the season with Bamba and Chuma and RJ and Cole. And, you know, and if you add Wendell, uh, their average age is 21 and a half. And you think about that with, with those five guys. So you add the right veterans, you get, you got to get healthy next year. You had 400 yeah. games lost to injury this year. That is a staggering number, almost historic, uh, historic number that you had this year. So you add all of that together. And then those, those young guys continue to develop, you know, you guys as, as tough as it was at times, I know we joke about it, but your fans, and we're all fans and we're, we're, we want the team to succeed. So even though it didn't translate to wins, we want to see RJ be successful, right? And he ends up winning Rookie of the Month for the Eastern Conference for the last month of the season. We want to see Cole develop. We want to see how, how does Wendell fit? You know, we, we got tremendous enjoyment out of the end of the season seeing how those guys progressed. And I think now you get a training camp, right? Those rookies didn't have a summer league. Absolutely. Maybe a summer yeah. league, a training camp, and then see what they look like going into next season. Yes. So, Gary, your point is valid. This thing can turn around very quickly. Does it mean next year? Probably not, but certainly soon after that, depending on who you add, you could be right back in the mix. Yeah. I'm going with RJ. I'm so excited yeah. by the guy. Yeah. So excited by the guy. Um, we were talking with Brian about this and uh, his off season is so important. Uh, getting, getting him that shot developed, which he clearly does have. He clearly does have. Um, if he's working with somebody like Mike Miller, then mm-hmm. it's going to be very, very impressive to see what he comes back with. I'm, I'm very excited by him. And his development as he's played through the games with the Magic, his numbers are increasing constantly. And I think he's got a, a really good future with us. Um, yeah, thanks, Dem. 16, well, 16 points a game is last nine, right? I mean, he's an incredible athlete. He might be the best athlete on the team. And he's 20 years old. He's 20 years old. And then he starts to figure things out, starts to add some size. And and once he starts to use his speed for good, once he kind of realizes how quick he can be, and he's, give me the guys, that you, it's, it's that way in any sport. Give me the guys that you know are going to put in the work. Yeah. And RJ and Cole, for yep. sure. Chuma, these are the guys that are going to do that. And then the sky's the limit. It's just as good as they want to be. Now, I asked, yeah. when we asked Brian this, he found this very difficult to answer. Magic player of the season. So, G, wow. who are you going with? Right. Very good so, question. as you mentioned with, with Brian, I'm going to cut this in half, you know, before yeah. the trade and after the trade. It's got to be. And, yeah, before the trade. I mean, Evan had a, a great year, nearly averaging 20 points, but you can't take it away from Nick Vucevic. 
you know, second time All-Star, carried us. He, you know, sometimes he was playing with uh, four reserves players in the starting lineup. Yeah. So to be able to adapt uh, and, and the way he just led the team uh, was just sublime. So obviously Nick Vucevic with his 24 and a half points, nearly 12 rebounds, nearly five assists uh, for the first half of the season. Uh, second half is a bit difficult just because we've had so many players out and even some rookies missing uh, significant yeah. time like Cole Anthony Chumo Kiki. But I'm going to go with Chumo Kiki. I just like I can see that. what he brings to the table. Um, as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, he's in that like Trevor Ariza, Robert Covington kind of mould. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good, does the dirty work, things that don't appear on the stat sheet. So his numbers for the season were 7.8, four rebounds, two assists. I don't think that tells the tale, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, what he does, his basketball IQ, uh, he's just a very good player to have out on the floor. And, you know, he can knock a shot down and come up with a big defensive play. So for me, he was the consistent uh, throughout, you know, first and second half, uh, other than when he was um, injured towards the end. So Chuma for me. How many times though, have we said that if, you're, if all you're looking at is the box score, you're not looking at the game that the person's had. Because where the deflections show? They don't show anywhere. And he gets his hands in. So I, I get exactly where you're coming from with that, G. Dante, what about yeah. for yourself? Yeah, I think that's great. I think those are those are great. But I, and I go with Vooch as well. I, I I extended for the whole year because I think Vooch, Vooch, because of his value and how good he was, allowed you to get two first round picks and a player, hey, potential you know, cornerstone, yeah, yeah. Uh, cornerstone centerpiece moving forward. So I, I think that's a big part. But it was such a joy watching Nick Vucevic clock in and go to work every single night, never took a day off. Right. And it didn't matter. Like you guys said, it didn't matter who started. We had 32 different starting lineups this year. 32. By far a franchise record. And a lot of those yeah. were with him. He didn't know who he had day in and day out. And then you'd lose Evan. You'd lose Aaron. You'd lose everyone, really. He didn't have James Ennis to start the year. So, um, yeah, I, Vooch to me was the guy. But then if you if you have, you know, obviously with him not being on the team, as you guys mentioned, uh, for the second half of the season, after the trade, for me, it was cold. I think I, I love what RJ Hampton did. I love Chumoki. I love what all these guys did, but Cole played. And you know, I think that's important. Cole played every game. He finished the season on his terms, which I think is very important. And he, he kind of, you know, whereas RJ caught fire for the last couple of weeks of the season, to me, Cole was pretty steady from after the, yeah. after the trade, you know, finished as the team's second leading score, 13 points a game and the valuable experience that he got. And to me, none of the other guys have any of the success they had if you don't have Cole solidifying the point guard position, we saw when we, when a point guard came in there and he's just trying to learn the team and it's Frank Mason or whoever coming in and and you're not comfortable. Jason Randall, when he first started, you know, you're disorganized and it's hard to, it's hard to win, get into your sets. He was never disorganized. He was always calm and always had us in the right sets. We were supposed to go into. We didn't make a lot of shots, unfortunately, you know, so we wouldn't score, wouldn't win enough games that way. But to me, his steadying influence and how he improved, I, I, for me, I, I was, I was most impressed with with what he did at the end of the season. That's who I went with Cole as well. I went okay. with Cole for the second half. RJ is the player I'm excited about for the, yeah, the positive sure. for the season. Uh, I went, I went with Cole for my player of the second half. Yeah, Mikey. Yeah, just you remaining. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with both of you. Um, Vooch, obviously, first half of the season. Um, I think 
the fact that he made the all-star team for the second time was kind of the nice parting gift, wasn't it, for him yeah. when he was leaving? Um, that I was. Think, I think we all loved his interview when he, when he went to Chicago with Josh Robbins when he asked Oof. the question. It's shown him how much Orlando meant to him um, and how much he meant to us because he, he's, he's been a big part of this team for nine years um, and mm-hmm. unfortunately he's not going to be part of it moving forwards. But uh, we've got plenty of other things to look forward to. Um, Cole was thrown into the Lions then, wasn't he? As soon as uh, Foltz went down, uh, was it against the Cavaliers earlier in the season? Yeah, it was. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Game six, yeah, right. Thrown straight in, learning a new role, um, trying to learn a new system, new teammates. Um, then he had to fight adversity when he went through the injury, having to come back from that. Then having to have a new roster every what felt like every week with players being injured and roster changes and moves being made. Um, and as I already touched on earlier, he's made significant improvements throughout the season. Um, Dante already said he was he was a steady influence in the, po- at the point guard position. Um, and next season, he's also going to get a chance to start with Markel possibly. As if if we assume that he's not going to be ready at the start of the season, he's going to get a chance to to show what he can do at the beginning of next year as well. So, um, obviously, if he, Clifford's going to going to want him to earn a bit more trust with him in, in in terms of what he can do on the floor, so hopefully, if he can do that, then he'll be given more and more more and more responsibility. So, yeah, Cole, Cole's definitely definitely mine for the second half of the season. Yeah. So Dante, you're the uh, the only one who. Hasn't said it as yet because we did, we covered this. Uh, I think last week. Who are you rooting for for the for the finals? Who are you who's who's your Ooh, team? Oh, interesting. Hanging your hat. I, I your hat on. Okay, so I am a big I'm a big Tobias Harris fan. I'm a big Tobias Harris fan. I've been able to stay in touch with him really a little bit from here and there. You know when um, you know since he got traded because I just thought you talk about a guy that works. I mean that guy put everything he had into his time here in Orlando, and then he did it in Detroit. Then he did it with yeah. the Clippers. So I just I know he was upset about not making the All Star team, and I just feel like to me Tobias Harris is going to be the breakout player of this postseason. That that's my that's my prediction. I think he's ready. He's got the tools. He's going to have a healthy Embiid, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry shooting. There's going to be opera. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to have all I've these the Tob- guys. I've got the Tobias Harris. Is that a Tobias Harris Cup? Yeah, yeah there yeah, you go. From, I love 2015. it. Nice. 2015. I love it. See, I think that yeah. to me, that's the guy. I think he's poised at this point in his career, what, seventh or eighth NBA season. Uh, I think he's ready to break out. So I think he helps. I think they beat Brooklyn. And I think Philadelphia comes out of the East. So I'm rooting for Tobias and the Sixers to come out of the East. And in the Western Conference, I – how do you not love that Phoenix story? I, I just, I don't, I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if we can get Philly and Phoenix. I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, people want to see the Lakers and you want to see, it's incredible what Utah did. Denver would be great too. I'd, I'd love to see that with Nikola Jokic. I just love that, the way that that guy plays. But to me, I, we love Monty Williams. So again, it's another magic connection and, and he's just a quality individual and he's turned that thing around so much. And I, how great would it be to see Chris Paul finally make his first NBA finals and to see Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid get to the NBA finals. So that's what I'm pulling for. I'd love to, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Philly beat Phoenix in the NBA finals. That's what I'm pulling for. Mikey, you were Philly as well, weren't you? Were you taking Philly? Memory says right. It was. Yeah. I was flip-flopping last week, wasn't I? (laughs) Just a bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on, go on, tell the you story. gotta tell Dante, 
I was going to say, story. although I was the one that got told, can we have a timer on this? Because I just could not decide in the East. I couldn't decide in the East. I ended up going New York for Elfrey. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for Elfrey. Uh, Mikey, Mikey said, Mikey said, Philly. Oh, no, Dwight's there. And then two seconds later, he's like, oh, no, but they got Tobias. I'll go Philly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and they got uh, the G's thing makes I, I do forget about that. I do forget about that part. <laughs> and and they got cousin Gary now as well. So uh yeah, cousin Gary. Yeah, that's right, the cousin Gary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, as, as cousin Dwayne hasn't made it. Hey, there we go. Okay. And uh, G, you're still rooting for the Lakers. Is that right? Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm rooting for the Warriors today and then either the Grizzlies or the Spurs tomorrow or whatever it is, whenever they play. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm um, prediction-wise, I think it will be Brooklyn out of the East and Phoenix out of the West. But if you were to ask me which teams I'd like to win at each conference, I'd go for the Hornets for the East and... Um, Borrego, Biombo. There's, you know, I like how they play. Um, and my mate Lewis um, works for the Hornets, so yeah, I've got course, to say yeah. that. And um, in the West, I'd like uh, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers to come out, but mm. I, I think the West is too stacked, to be honest with you. Um, I'd like to see the Suns uh, get through. But as you mentioned earlier, I'd like the Lakers to go out in the play in. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> No, so you, you, I remember that you have a lot. You're not a big Laker fan. I remember that. That's great. The absolute opposite is G to a big Lakers fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any any time he can throw shade any, at them, he is there. Any he's time. doing it. So you'll be watching that tomorrow night. You'll be part. You'll oh, be. Yeah. You'll stay up and you'll watch and you'll root yeah, for Golden State. Yeah, I'll watch that. Okay, Don't have okay. stay okay. out. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna say I should watch it in the morning. <laughs> you might see it in the morning. You might see it in the morning. If as, as far as I'm concerned, if uh, out of the West, I I love watching Steph Curry. So yeah. uh, any time yeah. I can get to watch Steph Curry, uh, so I'll, I'll I'll probably be going the Warriors. But equally, I love watching Dame Lillard as well. So I won't be upset either way if it's one of those two. But who who are you going for for winning the East? Then who do you think is going to win the East, Dante? Well, I think it's going to be Philly. I think Philly's Philly. coming out of the East. Yeah, I think they're going to get and there. Who do you think, I, and I think, who do you think I wins think, the West? And in the Western Conference, I think it'll be, I, I definitely think Philly. And I, and I think, it's tough to say. I I think the Lakers are coming out of the West. I just, Mate, I don't know. I don't I, I just in there. Sorry, Garen. It's just in my, yeah. it's just in there. <laughs> it's all good. To me, to me, you're the champs until someone beats you. And I just feel like yeah. LeBron got a ton of rest. Anthony Davis got a ton of rest and they're just going to pour it on and they're going to be the same old thing that we watched last year. I really think they're now it doesn't mean someone can't beat them. Clippers might beat them. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't think Utah's ready. I, you know, Phoenix maybe could be, but uh, I just, doesn't it feel like it, you just wouldn't be shocked if a couple months from now, the Lakers are winning it again. I, I was asked yeah, on the about, yeah. about uh, probably about four weeks ago, who I thought was going to win, who, who I thought was going to take the chip. And at that point, even though the Lakers were start were without LeBron, without Anthony Davis, I my words were I find it difficult to see past them. And yeah, even though they're right. in the playing, even though they're in this playing, 
I still find it very difficult. So if they get in, nobody nobody has ever won an NBA Finals that's been seated seventh or higher. It's never happened. So it would be history. It would be historic. So it's not the odds are not in their favor, but it just feels like it. Just feels like it as long as LeBron James is playing. It feels like they could win. For me, out to the East, I think it's going to be. I'm going to join you all with saying Philly. I think out of the East um, and out of the West, I think it, it's the Lakers, and I'm taking the Lakers for the final. All right, I know, I know, I'm with you. I don't like saying it. I'm embarrassed I know. to say it. I know. But hey, that's if that's I'm, I'm, I've got can, to give so, me so can we all agree? So can Brooklyn be beat? Can somebody beat yeah. Brooklyn yeah. in the Eastern yeah, Conference? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't I think, think so. No. My, it's hard. No, there's such no, a, there's a lot me. of, yeah, there's a lot of talent there. Yeah. Philly. The I tell you what I would like in the, in the East though, I would love a Brooklyn, New York series. I really would. That would be amazing. So like, uh, who are fingers you? crossed we get that at some point. Who am I going with? Who are you with? taking as Brooklyn? Yeah. So you're taking Brooklyn as the, as lifting, as raising a banner at the end of the season. Yeah. Beat the Suns being the world champions. Don't say that. <laughs> it winds, <laughs> you know who I'd say this? It winds us up. <laughs> the one yeah, thing oh, that yeah. winds us up about American sport is that you win a national oh, championship yes, and call yes, yourself a world not? champion. Yes, yes. I mean, correct, the only one, that I correct. suppose, I suppose basketball can actually claim that there is international competition with now with uh, obviously, but hey, it's the Tampa Bay Raptors now, isn't it, G? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're going right. back to Toronto. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that world champ, that never said well with me either. You can't. That's that's <laughs> like my dad's big. Ever since I was a kid, he said, now you can't call, you can't be the world champions. You haven't played other. Yeah, it's one country. No. <laughs> you haven't played two now with Canada. But no, I, I agree. I agree. But they will say that, won't they? They will say Oh, that. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Mikey, who are you taking as overall winners? Coming out of the East, there's two teams. There's Philly or Brooklyn. I don't trust Milwaukee. Mm, uh, they, they've made some nice additions with Drew Holiday, Teague, Magic Legend, um, and PJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, Miami could be somewhat of a surprise again. I think no. fatigue might get to them having gone to the finals in the bubble. Um, out of the West, I think Utah are legit. Um, and I think the Clippers are quietly going about business as well. I think it's either those two mm. or the Lakers. Um, I think Phoenix, it might be. I, I don't think they've got the front court depth there to deal with a Utah um, or the Lakers. Portland, Denver, they haven't got enough for me. Um, so I'm going I'm to have to go the Lakers. Kills right, I'm telling you, you just there's something in there. You can't look by it, can you? The back you of your head, so as if, hard if you look as it at, is. If you look there. at the run, they've got they've got Golden State in the playing game. Then they end up with Phoenix. So you think that experience is gonna could be a key factor against yes. the Suns? Go Suns! Then they've got <laughs> Denver. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about you with every game, every <laughs> game. Gee. Um, anyone but them. And then Denver haven't got Murray. Uh, Portland, right, yeah, right. outside of McCollum and, and Lillard, probably don't have enough. And then it's really the Clippers or the Jazz in the in the in the conference finals. Um, I think it's Philly and the Lakers. Um, 
I'm going to go Philly. There you go. I'm going to go Philly to win it all. Nice. Okay. nice. I like that. Nice. I like that. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Just to cheer G up. There you go, mate. Good man. <laughs> hey. Good man. Well, it's, like, you, you look at it, they have got experience. They have got mm. game-winning experience on that team. And they've they got really, head coaches that's, that's gone all the way. Doc Rivers has yep. won it all. Got Dwight Howard, mm. Danny Green have been key role players yeah, in the this, Lakers that won it last look, year. You can't, you can't ignore experience. No. no, no, that's right. And they've got depth and they've got shooting. They've got shooting. We saw it the last two games of the season. Yeah. They rolled out yeah. guys we never heard of. They were knocking down threes like crazy. <laughs> I mean, they've got, <laughs> it's amazing what they do. Does it give you guys, does it, I don't want to say hope because I don't, I think that I think there's a lot of reasons to have optimism for magic fans, but does it, if you're a team that's not in the playoffs right now and you look at what the Knicks did, can you not yeah. look at that model now and be optimistic and think, hey, you know, you don't have to have the trio. You don't have to have the trio. You don't have to have the three stars. You don't have to have all that. It can be one guy that really takes off and then everyone else just fits. I think that's a that to me should be a very encouraging model for a lot of NBA teams. Did you see the graphic yeah, on Twitter today? Sorry, G. And they had Philly, Milwaukee. I can't remember what the other two now, Brooklyn. And there was one other team and the Knicks were in the bottom four of the East four or five years ago now that they're yep. top four in the in the east uh, so very good point yep that's that right to look forward to yeah, yeah i'm just going to add to dante's point there um you know they haven't got a star player other than randall but they all buy into the defense the scheme mm -hmm. that thibodeau uh you know tries to teach them and clifford's exactly <laughs> like thibodeau so uh hopefully you know we get a training camp under our belts and that the guys all buy in get an injury free season and uh, the defense ramps up and, um, you know, defense leads to offense, as you see. And, um, you know, let these guys run and see what they can do. Yeah. Uh, I've got to ask one question. Would anybody feel different about Denver if uh, Jamal Murray was still fit and playing? It's a good question. Yeah, right? Wouldn't you think they'd be right there in the mix? Yeah. It's, yeah. Sure. They, you look at what they did in the playoffs last season and they've added quite well in the team you know and I, I, I would have been interested to see how far they could actually push that because now you're asking you're asking Michael Porter to be your second best player right right away where he didn't now and now they'll game plan for him in a seven game series he's never gone through this in this role he's never he's been the third fourth fifth option now he's the second guy and you know and, and Aaron's never been keyed in on like this before so those two guys are going to have to get to another level that they're not used to being in. And I, I think yeah. with Jamal Murray and you just don't have that lights out shot maker. So I think without him being in the mix, I I, I think that changes things drastically, but yes, they yeah. would have as good a chance as anybody in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, this has been amazing. Dante, I can only say thank you on behalf of the guys here. It's been brilliant to have you on. Um, well, it's my pleasure. You guys are the best. You guys, it's what makes us so much fun. Man. I love it. The season's over, but we recap it. We we uh, discuss what we like and what needs to happen moving forward. And now we pray for health and we pray for uh, first and fifth pick in the upcoming draft. <laughs> See and, what happens. And be, honest, and be honest, my friend, as that final buzzer went against Philadelphia, were your thoughts one, two, Cancun? <laughs> yes a little bit a little bit <laughs> one, one two june 22nd that's what i thought one two june 22nd. yeah but you're right we were it was a grind it was a grind for us in a different capacity 
And that's not even remotely compared to what those players and coaches had to go through this year. It's unbelievable Absolutely. getting tested two times a day and the travel and this and that. And then the injury, just unbelievable. Not knowing day to day who you're going to have. So it was a lot. It was a lot. But at the end of the day, you know, and, and you guys, you guys, you love watching it and we love work and we love being a part of it. We just, it's what we do and we, we love it. And, and even, even though you'd like for them to have had a better season, it doesn't change how much fun we had, you know, trying to cover the magic and, and, and try to bring out the telecast every night. So thank you guys for the support. I love interacting with you guys. You do a great job. And I, I think you said you should be commended for what you've done here and this, this thing that you're building. I think it's outstanding. And I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to see you guys face to face here at some point soon. But pints, pints on the twenty second. Absolutely, twenty second. It's going to be done. It's going to be done. Okay, it won't be. It won't be orange squash in the cup. (laughs) All right, let me know. Let me know. We'll be ready. All right, guys. Take care. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So thank you, Dante. Thank you. You got it. Thank you, guys. How good was that? Brilliant. Oh, it's sweet. Brilliant. Two quality guests. Absolutely love the the company. Dante is always a great company. I love it when you're at games and you just sort of wanders over to find you and you get this tap on the shoulder and that smile. It's just always great to see. Love the guy. Love the guy. That's That's been really good. So, gee, Magic Moments. Yeah, so the Magic Moments has finished and uh, I will be totaling up the final scores tonight after we record. So hopefully that'll be updated on the website overnight now. So we'll have our final winner. We'll also be able to find out who's won out the three of us. So uh, we might have another well, we wooden it's... spoon for somebody. I was going to say, we know it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the last count, I was trailing you by six points, G. I think, if memory serves yeah. me. And, and, and just one behind Umpa Lumper in the corner there. Yeah, sorry. I need to sit a bit lower now, don't I? <laughs> 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 yeah, so that'll be updated overnight now, and um, we'll we'll have the results out. Uh, we'll crown our winner, and they'll be getting a, a care package in the post. So uh, we'll be reaching out yep. to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, got a couple of t-shirts here waiting to go to whoever the winner is. Oh yeah, sounds yeah. good. Excellent, Sweet. excellent. So um, we will be. We've not got any set date for the next penny for your thoughts we are going to be doing them over the summer we are mulling various thoughts around we're looking around uh, doing something zoom wise for both the draft lottery and for draft night uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me we're talking about having a penny for your thoughts um quiz where we get various people in and we're looking at possibly having a one where we've got multiple guests in to uh, talk about all things magic as well just uh, fire off a few questions around uh, the thoughts on development and what the, what the team need so that's that's where we're at and hopefully we can uh, get one or two guests in as well um, from stateside so we'll we'll see what more happens there um, in the meantime make sure you keep checking the website orlandomagicuk.com make sure you're following us on all the social platforms Twitter Facebook Instagram uh, again all under Orlando Magic UK um, as we always say and no apologies. If you are shopping, then please uh, use our affiliate links for either Fanatics or the NBA Store Europe off of uh, our website or off of any of our social media. Um, quite honestly, it helps us pay for what we do because um, we, we do put it all out of our own pocket. So it really helps us. We do appreciate it. 
And don't be frightened to use the Magic UK 10 discount code um, at Fanatics and NBA Store Europe, though some exclusions may apply. Um, also, if you are thinking of having a uh, league pass for the playoffs, click on our affiliate links again, because quite honestly, again, helps us out. So um, until next time, go Magic. And thanks for joining us, guys. <laughs>